0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or anything that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. You know, I, I have fun doing all these shows and, you know, not just on the radio here, but I also do on social media and I do webinars. So this month on social, we took a pretty deep dive into situations that can cause digestive upset. And I gave some pretty targeted tips. Then I did a webinar, posted on my website. So today I'm going to just recap some of that research on digestive health that may help you or someone you love. You know, digestive health can really upset a person's quality of life. It can keep them at home. It can keep them having from being socially engaged because they they're having problems with their digestive health. First of all, I'm going to cover the IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. You know, IBS, very common chronic gastrointestinal disorder. It can be really intense, sharp, stabbing intestinal pain, abdominal pain. It can be gas. It can be bloating, constipation, diarrhea. The symptoms and level of severity vary greatly, but it can be quite disabling. You know, some people with IBS have to map their whole day around public restrooms, limits their social life. They, you know, limits their travel. They don't, can't go on vacations many times because of digestive upsets. They have to know where the restroom is every place they go, just in case. Anxiety and depression are also associated with IBS, as well as being negatively affecting one's emotional, social, and professional life. We know the gut makes a lot more serotonin than the brain. We don't know if there is a blood-brain barrier, but boy, when the gut's upset, everything can be affected. Doctors define IBS as a functional gastrointestinal disorder because the GI tract isn't functioning properly, but there's no apparent damage. So no harm? Wrong. This type of definition actually stops research, stops searching for a cure, answers, stops questioning the cause of the dysfunction. You know, instead, professionals are just trained to alleviate symptoms, a pill for an ill. But unfortunately, that doesn't solve the long-term health problems. Functional medicine, functional nutrition, however, looks at working to uncover the why behind the disease what's causing the upset because ibs is just a collection of symptoms specific to each individual the root cause is likely not the same for everybody and there are so many causes for the same disorder and you know you've really got to understand that everybody's underlying cause needs to be treated differently and if you don't find that it can escalate into more serious conditions like autoimmune conditions. Hippocrates, way back, father of modern medicine, said, all disease begins in the gut. How right he was oh so long ago. IBS is one of the most underdiagnosed conditions in the U.S. In fact, studies show that it can be in up to 25% of the population, one in four adults. We really don't know the accuracy of that because... People think it's normal, so they don't even go to the doctor for it, or they'll just write it off like, I'm stressed, and that's what's causing it. Regardless, irritable bowel syndrome is the most common functional disorders there is. And it's labeled actually through a process of elimination. You know, you go through lots of lab tests, scoping everywhere, and if all those tests come back normal or at least not finding a problem, it's just categorized under the IBS umbrella. Sort of what I call a garbage pail diagnosis. It means nothing except what you already knew. You've got a problem, and it isn't structural and isn't chemical. It's more of a label for insurance rather than diagnoses. You know, the typical process is about symptom management. We wanna go to the root cause, so. Just like everybody's experience with IBS is individual, so are the causes. And, you know, it can be so many things. You know, the same villains I talk about every week seem to be, you know, just new characters on the set. So we've got poor diet. We've got leaky gut. New one that I'm going to talk about is small intestinal bowel overgrowth, also yeast overgrowth parasites, food intolerances, antibiotic use, toxin exposure, chronic infections. Something that doesn't get enough attention is chronic stress and psychological past traumas. That can be a huge thing for the gut. Genetics, epigenetics, hormone issues, all of these alone or in combination can be the active villains. You can go back and listen to my webinar, Leaky Gut Solutions, to go deep, but just know that the GI tract is what we call a selectively permeable barrier. Oh gosh, it is just one cell thick. And that one cell thick layer serves to prevent toxic substances from getting back into the bloodstream. Things like undigested food particles, microbes, toxins, all those things. If that gut gets leaky, things that are supposed to be eliminated are reabsorbed. But that one layer thick also is the site where all your nutrients are absorbed. So selectively permeable means it's supposed to keep the good going in and the bad staying out. You know, when it works, it is great. However, when these cells become damaged, they break apart, they swell, they allow those particles that we don't want to leak back into the body. Immune system goes crazy. You know, it's it's thinking all these substances, these are invaders and they're pathogens. This results in a lot of systemic inflammation and basically goes back to leaky gut. All of these things can cause it, Food intolerances, infection, stress, age, affect, guts, permeability, and integrity. You know, you can go back, but we really need to address that leaky gut syndrome by using the four R's. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But first of all, I want to go a little deeper quickly into one of the causes of IBS, and that is SIBO. This is a real stickler, and I have seen it affect a lot of people. SIBO, small intestinal bowel overgrowth. So that occurs when you've got an imbalance of gut bacteria, and that results in the overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine, where there's not supposed to be many bacteria at all you know there's little or none supposed to be in there so when you get it in there you that can be the cause of the gas and bloating and diarrhea and constipation abdominal pain and specifically right after you eat within 20 minutes you get the pain in the abdomen it can also cause nausea and of course fatigue in extreme cases this small intestine stops absorbing nutrients so you can get malnutrition and malabsorption and anemia you know so some really insightful researchers started asking can people diagnosed with IBS really have SIBO Cedar Sinai Medical Center tested whether bacterial overgrowth that is associated with IBS When you treated the SIBO, did it take care of IBS? And they found 48% of the time it did. Then Dr. Jerry, Gerald Mullins, we know him, but um, from Johns Hopkins Hospital, and he was the author along with some of my dietitian friends, um, he wrote the book Integrative Gastroenterology he suggests that 78% of IBS patients actually test positive for SIBO. SIBO is fueled by a diet heavy in sugar, alcohol, refined carbohydrates, because it feeds off of those sugars. But also, when you've got the use of antibiotics, acid-blocking stomach drugs, and steroids, that also provides a really attractive environment conducive to the bacterial overgrowth. So once you're diagnosed with SIBO, three routes of treatments, either an antibiotic ramoxifen, which unfortunately is associated with a high rate of recurrence, or you've got herbal antimicrobials, which as you can imagine, my favorite, and then you have the elemental diet, which starves it out. So the herbal antimicrobial is divided into two separate protocols, and these have actually had clinical trials. I love it. So you've got the kill phase and you've got the rebuild phase. During the kill phase, you use the herbal antimicrobials and specific probiotics, and that is used with the right diet to starve out the bacteria. So the diet really can have a great impact all by itself. One of the diets is called the FODMAP. It's my favorite approach along with the herbal antimicrobials. So the FODMAP, you know, each one of those F-O-D-M-A-P, it's a specific kind of carbohydrates. Then you also have a diet that is called the specific carbohydrate diet, the S-C-D. Then you have the GAPS diet. All three of these approaches have shown benefit. Each one's a little different. So if one doesn't try, wasn't work, try the other one. Unfortunately, SIBO is notoriously difficult to treat, but there's always ways to decrease the recurrence. Next cause of IBS, we're gonna move on here now. Instead of the sugar causing the bacterial overgrowth, we have yeast overgrowth. Candida is the most common. Very similar to SIBO, but it is the yeast or the fungus causing the gas and bloating and digestive. So that causes the imbalance in the gut flora because the gut flora has to be strong in order to be the first line of defense. So candida feeds on sugar So we see a lot of that in the American population. So some of the signs that that may be the problem is if you have persistent, intense sugar cravings for carbs such as bread, crackers, granola bars, pasta, pastries, you have brain fog, have anxiety and depression, you have mood swings and irritability, may have vaginal yeast infections, yeast swelling or discharge, poor focus, concentration, um, unexplained fatigue, Nail infections, canker sores, sinus infection. As you can tell, this is like a low-grade epidemic. So so it also, one of the key things that it will worsen in cold, damp, or humid environments. Those all are really keys that this may be an issue. Um, Anti-candida diet is low sugar. But then there's also things like coconut oil that contains lauric acid and caprylic acid that can be really effective at killing out harmful candida. Also useful, milk thistle, vitamin C, different essential oils like clove oil, oregano oil is fabulous, lavender oil, myrrh oil, great options that may help. Bentonite clay are very, um, very helpful as well. Some special probiotics can be really helpful too. Um, That's why you often get yeast infections after a course of antibiotics. You got to have a lot of the good probiotics in there. Lactobacillus acidophilus and the bifidobacteria are really important to enhance the immune function and kill off the candida. So another problem that may be the cause of IBS are parasites, much more common than most people consider. And contrary to popular belief, you do not have to travel to foreign high-risk areas to be exposed to them. It may be just imported foods at your local grocery store. And since they're usually ingested our stomach acid needs to be strong to kill them off. As we get older, or if you're on acid reducing stomach medicines, you're at more at risk. So long story short, parasites can be really harmful, but they need to really, you have to take additional care to get rid of them. I love garlic, I love wormwood, that's also called Artemisia, two of my favorite herbs to use for that. Other common causes of IBS are going to be food intolerances, allergies, sensitivities. We can do immunoglobin testing or IgG testing to find out. Um, I have a whole webinar on this. Um, So what we need to do, the three R's. Remove the problem, whatever that is, whether it's the food, the toxins, the infections, the oxidative stress, you got to remove all of them. As the saying goes, if you're sitting on three tacks and you remove one, are you going to feel better? Well, probably not. You got to remove all of them. Clean things up to get rid of that IBS. Then we need to repair. So repairing with a good diet, maybe essential nutrients. Got to restore the flora. So adding in those prebiotics, those probiotics, all of them really good. Maybe eating some fermented foods like sauerkraut and pickles. Um, You may need to do the fourth R, replace digestive enzymes, increase the stomach acid. Maybe you need to restore some of the vitamins that have gotten minimized through the leaky gut. So last but not least, I wanna talk about stress stress management, stress relief. Stress is probably the one area we need to really support, optimize, and use to restore and sustain health. Studies have supported that a really High stress level increases rates of IBS complication. It aggravates the symptoms. It lengthens the time of the episodes, and it decreases the rate of repair to digestive health. So as the gut and central nervous system, boy, they're related. You know, we call the gut the second brain. It's incredibly important to find stress management techniques that work for you, Some examples are going to be deep breathing, different forms of exercise, yoga, massage, prayer and meditation, gratitude. You cannot be stressed when you are thinking of all the things you're grateful for. Maybe doing creating art, spending time with loved ones, spending time outside, aromatherapy. There's so many ways We have to manage our stress. So, there's some tips. IBS is much more common than I think we, we are cognizant of. So, I hope this has helped you or someone you love. As always, this is going to be posted on my website, debford.com, along with the webinars that are on the leaky gut or on the elimination diet. All these things that I post free to help you with your quest for better health, vitality, and longevity. So thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day and uh, make sure you do something really good for yourself.